Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Skift Meetings podcast. My name is Andrea Doyle, and I am the senior editor at Skift Meetings. In this episode, titled Environmental Change May Be Uncomfortable, But It Is Necessary, we speak with Virginie D. Fisher, Senior Director, Business Development, Economic Sectors for Destination Canada. We focus on sustainability and how, as it becomes increasingly vital in the world of meetings and events, planners and destination marketing organizations must adopt a strategic approach to improving their practices. We chat about how sustainability belongs to all, how change is uncomfortable, but we all must be agents of change, how it is important to connect the dots, how we must turn obstacles into opportunities, we must push people out of their comfort zones, and how we have never been as far as we are right now as far as sustainability is concerned. We also chatted about the fact that sustainability is not a competitive advantage, but it is something we must all collaborate on. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Well, hi, I'm Virginie DeVischer. I'm the Senior Director of Business Development at Destination Canada Business Events Team. Well, thank you so much for um, joining us today. So I wanted to get started by asking you, how did you get involved in the industry? <laughs> That's a great one. You know what? I kind of fell into it. Um, it wasn't really decided. I have a bioengineering background and uh, I specialized in international trade and I did not know I was going to end up in tourism <laughs> and it just happened. It was an introduction between uh, two people and uh Back then, they wanted me to lead a program that was linking kind of my background to the tourism industry. It was a local ambassador program. And that's how I fell into it and actually really love it. Wow. And can you explain the journey that brought you to Destination Canada from being a bioengineering major? Yeah, well, it's a long story. Um, so I have a international upbringing. And so I did my, my engineering studies in Belgium at the University of Louvain. And once that was done, I went straight into humanitarian aid work in the Congo. Wow. And so I worked um, in humanitarian aid and then in the private sector for many years in Africa. So I did the Congo, I did Zimbabwe, and then Uganda, and walking, uh, working in the coffee industry, in the IT industry, all private sector. And then um, had a few kids at the time, and we decided to immigrate to Canada. So immigrated to Canada, found Manitoba. 
and there started working for the World Trade Center. So I continued in that international trade vein and, and getting a network. And five years after doing that, I thought maybe it's time for a little change. And that's where a common friend introduced me to um, an individual at Tourism Winnipeg and said they're looking for someone to handle their ambassador program. And I said, I don't know anything about tourism. And they said, that's okay, that's what we want. We want someone from outside the industry. I said, okay. So I had to learn terms like what was a peak night uh, and rev par and all these acronyms. I had no idea. And so I started with that. And after a year and a half at Tourism Winnipeg, which was also Economic Development Winnipeg, this position came up uh, at Destination Canada where they wanted someone to uh, operationalize and roll out their economic sector strategy. And uh, there I was. I started that uh, over five and something years ago. Wow. What a story. So Canada is home for you today? Canada is now home. I'm, I've been a citizen now for about uh, six years. Wow. But where were you brought up? So I was brought up, well, I'm born in Belgium, but my father was a diplomat. And so we moved around every three, four years all over Africa and Asia. So it's hard to say where I was brought up. Okay. But Canada is home and you're doing such great stuff there. Um, so, you know, we've talked in the past and sustainability is such a huge focus of yours and of Destination Canada's. So um, last time we talked, you told me about the national program you've launched, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that. I know it's aimed at a, in at it's aimed at improving sustainability practices of business events, isn't it? Absolutely. So this is a, this combines all of my passions, if you wish, but it really stemmed from. Over a year and a half ago, when the world started reconnecting in person again, I was hearing a lot of um, clients saying, we want to be more sustainable, but how do we do that? And how do we find out who is sustainable and how who can help us in our journey? So I went back and looked at, well, what do we have across Canada? How are we doing as a country? And mm -hmm. did a little bit of an analysis. And what came out is that we were all over the map. We had cities that were doing amazing things, and then some that were still in the beginning of their journey towards being more sustainable. So no wonder it was it's hard for clients to know where to go to be more sustainable. So this program stemmed out of that recognition, and it was based over three phases. And the first one was, how do we educate all of our partners across the country to be able to speak more comfortably about sustainability? And one of the challenges I have found is that when people don't know how to articulate or feel like they're inadequate in talking about sustainability or knowing the difference between net zero or carbon neutral or how do I even start, then they won't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so the number one was how do we get people to start talking about it, talking between their clients and between their stakeholders in their cities. So step number one of this plan is that education phase. We're halfway through doing all these workshops. The second phase was understanding where we're at. So that destination assessment study. And we decided to use the Global Destination Sustainability Index, the GDS index, as a benchmark. We did not necessarily want a certification. And so that benchmark is a lay of the land. 
it's a repertoire of all the inventory, an inventory of all the initiatives that are taking place within the destinations across the country. And keep in mind that we were really specific in not being just environmentally sustainable. It was really looking at the different pillars of sustainability. So environmental, sociocultural, and economic. Okay. And the final phase of the program, of the plan, is the storytelling. Because now we need to turn all these initiatives and what the cities are doing into solutions that are for our clients. So how do we get that package of information to make it easy and accessible for people who want to come and meet in Canada? How do they know what's there? How can they be more sustainable? So full circle into giving back to uh, to the clients, turnkey solutions and make it available. Okay. So you said you're halfway through the education part of this. Are you surprised by the reaction you're getting? Yes, in a very positive way. I think there's gratefulness, there's a greater awareness. I love being on these workshops because I see some of our partners that don't necessarily talk to each other from coast to coast to coast, and they're sharing best practices and information. It's it's really fun to watch. And I'm like, wow, we created this, right? We kind of jump-started something that had started in different cities, but not everywhere. And it's not comfortable for everybody, trust me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's really creating that environment of collaboration and that sustainability belongs to all. Everyone has to be part of that journey, wherever you sit. So it's a really positive reaction. And I think some are connecting with me and saying, hey, how do I do more? Like, I love this. How do, do you know of other courses? How do we go to the next level? What has surprised you the most in working with your partners? Two things. I think the collaboration, I knew they were collaborative, um, but to be collaborative on this subject was really surprising and fun to see. Um, the second one is the awareness that geez, change is uncomfortable and this mm -hmm. is change. And it's seeing that reactions are, well, this doesn't belong to me or this doesn't fit into my portfolio or my job description. Well, no one's got sustainability in their job description unless you work in that field. Mm -hmm. But how do you integrate it so that it becomes part of all that we do and it just becomes horizontal for everyone? So that, that's been a learning for me to see that it's just not natural. It is change and it is not comfortable. And how do you make it more comfortable by educating? Is yeah. that key? Yeah, educating, getting it more accessible. Once people understand something, it becomes less scary. Mm -hmm. And we try to connect the dots um, a lot more for them. Okay, so if I sell business events and I work with clients, if I start talking about sustainability and I understand what my city's doing, then I will actually do my job better because the clients will see me as solution providers and perhaps bring more of their events to my city. So then it's like, okay, I get it. I know why it's important now. So that's one of your roles, dot connector. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, I think I should change my title to dot connector. Okay. Um, for those listening who want to become more sustainable, where is a good place to start? Because, like you said, change can be scary. Change can be scary, and the there are so many courses out there, so many support systems. I have to say, it was a little overwhelming. 
Um, I started this journey and I must have taken, I don't know how many courses. I tried them all. I, I've done the MPI course. I've done the Events Industry Council one. I've done the um, International Society of Sustainable Professionals one. Um, I did the meeting show one with Isla. Like I'm really testing them all out because when we started this plan, I wanted to know which one do I bring to our partners, which ones are good. So I have personal recommendations, personal favorites, but I would say find out what's available next to you. Start reading about it. Okay. And what does it mean? I think that's the first step before jumping into anything because there's so many different avenues about where you can start. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So we talked about what you find surprising in your role and as far as sustainability is concerned. What is the one thing people would be surprised to learn about you? Oh, about me. Um, I think people are often surprised to know my background or where I come from, that I'm an immigrant, um, that I'm not native to Canada. That's often a surprise. Um, yeah, just that international connection I, that I'm not from the tourism sector. And do you do you feel the fact that Canada has become your home ignites you a, a little more to make a difference and to take on this huge topic of sustainability? Yes. You know, when I when I first moved here, I had uh, and I moved to Manitoba. Not actually, I got a lot of questions. Why are you moving here? <laughs> and some were telling me, well, you know, they were born there. They had no choice. I said, I chose to move here and I discovered things and I could make them see things in their own cities, in their own province about how different and how magical it was. And so coming with fresh eyes is that perspective that immigrants bring in being so much more grateful into the country that's adopted them. And this is almost like paying it forward and, and bringing it back to the country that's adopted me. And we just see it with that magic. So I, I love selling Canada because it, it became my home because of the welcomeness of the people and how I can bring that forward outside now in what I do. How did you choose Manitoba? <laughs> um, or did well, Manitoba choose you? Is, well, kind of. So um, Canada was the choice, but to immigrate to Canada is actually not an easy thing to do. But Manitoba had a special provincial nominee program where they would target um, immigrants that they needed for the workforce. And one of their programs was to attract francophones. And of course, I'm a francophone. And so it was almost like a fast track to get into the province and into Canada. So I we used that uh, that track and it was about a year of waiting and paperwork and anxiety. And finally, we were accepted as a, as someone who could come and move to Canada. Wow, that's great. Mm -hmm. 
What were some of the obstacles you had to overcome on your way to your current role? On my way? Um, it's That's an interesting question because I don't see many obstacles as I go along, more that these are challenges that are opportunities to overcome. And my kids often ask me and say, mom, you know, if you were to redo your life, what would you erase or what would you take away? Some of the challenges I say, and then I think, and I say nothing, everything that I have gone through and my life's not always been rosy has shaped me to who I am. Mm -hmm. And every time I've managed to turn these obstacles into opportunities. And so they have shaped me. But one of the ones that I realized recently was I went to PCMA in Columbus earlier this year, and one of the takeaways that I got is how easily people can go back to their old ways. Okay. It is so easy to go back rather than change. And when we all went through the pandemic, we said, oh, events are never going to be the same. We've changed so much. And who hasn't gone back to a trade show or an event and said, oh, my, this is exactly the same as it was three years ago. Like not much has changed. And that to me is the biggest obstacle is the because I see myself often as an agent of change and pushing people out of their comfort zone, that push that people have to go back to same old is really tough for me. Mm -hmm. So that's an obstacle that I have to deal with all the time is keep moving forward against the tide that moves backwards. Mm -hmm. Do you feel we are moving forward as far as this, as far as sustainability is concerned? Yes, I think we've never been as far as we are right now. Um, one, there's just global pressure. We have to do something. But there's so many more people that are talking about it. There's more tracks and events that are that are putting it on the agenda. I love it when I see it in RFPs that, uh, you know, clients are, are wanting to add it. I have it on it as a discussion item with our meeting planner every time we meet. So it is really moving the needle forward. And one of the things I see is, you know, when we launched the sustainability plan, it was one thing was to elevate Canada's position internationally. But as I went along with this, it was really not to be a competitive advantage. And it was really a collaborative advantage. And that's what sustainability is all about, is that we all have to work on it together. It's really collaborative. And I hope that this framework that we've developed, it can be emulated and copied in many different countries. Why not? And that, I think, would be the biggest reward in terms of doing this. And I've had the opportunity to speak uh, at different opportunities, um, at different sessions or different events around the world with other countries to speak about this in a very collaborative way. I share with Singapore, I share with Sydney, with Washington, D.C. In a few days, I'm in another uh, webinar with Scotland to speak about sustainability. So it's really that collaborative advantage that we connect, that we share by pushing that industry towards being more sustainable. Which makes sense because why be competitive when we only have one world? Exactly, exactly. There's still people who think this is competitive advantage, but I don't agree. What does the events industry get right as far as sustainability is concerned and what can be improved? 
I think we're at the baby steps, the mm -hmm. environmental sustainability concept, you know, trying to eliminate uh, foam signage models, um, trying to be a little greener like that. The baby steps are starting to be implemented. There is so much more we can do, though. Um, on the sociocultural, I think that's still at its infancy on how to support um, that segment. And then the economic side of things, you know, buying local, um, supporting the hosting ecosystem is starting to be um, more, I guess, integrated when people try to bring articles to give to their uh, a swag, for example, is how do we find things that are more local or more sustainable, more long term. So it, it is starting and we're I think the awareness is there. We now need to translate the awareness into more actions. And right now it's let's do it. You know, we'll do sustainability if it's cheap and easy. Mm -hmm. That's what it is right now. So as soon as it becomes a little bit hard, it falls down the list on the priorities. And as soon as it costs money, then um, it's getting the, the finance side and the CFO to understand why it's important. So it's it's getting everybody on the supply chain. And I mean, the internal supply chain to be able to working on it. Mm -hmm. And that's the direction needs to come from the top and the bottom. There needs to be a champion of sustainability within each organization. That's still hard. Okay. Have you been to a recent meeting or event that got it right? I would say I've been to events that have parts of it, right? Okay. Um, most recently, I saw the sustainability stations that they had at uh, in Columbus, Ohio for PCMA. And um, that was amazing to see. I uh, got to see them to go behind the scenes and see what the convention center was doing and how they sorted and, and what they put in place. That was really fabulous. And I also did one during IMEX. I went behind the scenes to see what they were doing because I... <laughs> Funnily enough, I was complaining that I wasn't seeing the garbage go anywhere. And I'm like, oh, my God, you guys don't even recycle. So I got to go see behind the house and they were manually sorting. Wow. So um, one by one, everything was sorted. They had more than 90 percent diversion uh, waste rate, which was amazing. So I was thoroughly impressed, but not sure everybody knew that. And that was IMAX in Las Vegas? Yes, that was IMAX in Las Vegas. Wow. It's very impressive. Huh. Mm -hmm. Little so, did we know. <laughs> little did we know. But I guess like tours like that are really important to for our awareness. Yes. And I asked for that one at IMEX, but PCMA had it organized. It was part of the program that you could go see behind the scenes. And, you, you know, we were maybe 15 people out of the 3000 or so that went to see it. But I thought everybody would want to see this. Right. <laughs> it's a smelly place. Not everybody likes it, but I thrive in it. I think it's absolutely fabulous. And when event planners are bringing programs to Canada, there are these types of experiences in place, aren't there? Yes. And I think you still have to ask for them. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone should ask for them. When you're booking an event somewhere, uh, it's asking what happens behind the house. What uh, I just went to Montreal and got a tour of the convention center behind the scenes. 
So it's easy to ask. I think people are very open to sharing what they're doing and it will become more and more the norm, I believe. Okay. Who has had the biggest influence on you in your life? Hmm. The biggest influence. Um, well, sorry for sounding cliche, but I think my dad, um, my dad in his ethics, um, he was a European union ambassador. He had, um, big responsibilities, but I always admired how he handled people, how he explained things, um, his discipline and his motivation to get things done and how he pushed us out of our comfort zones all the time and said, if you want to do something, work hard and you can do it. It doesn't come easy. You've got to work at it, but you can make it. Um, so he was a massive, massive influence. And, uh, I guess I have two people. I, um, my husband is the wing beneath my wings. I think if he wasn't there, I because we have lots of kids at home. If he didn't give me carte blanche to say, "You go, girl. You do. You can be on the road and and follow your passion." I don't think I could do it the way that I I push myself. And these two people have had an amazing influence. I think on on where I am today. That's lovely. And I guess, like you said, your dad instilled that work ethic and that change is hard, but change is necessary. And that applies to what you're doing at Destination Canada as well. A hundred percent. I think everything I've learned throughout my life brings back into work, into those work ethics. I mean, developing a, a sustainability program on a national level um, and convincing destinations that is what they have to do. Uh, I'm happy to share with you, we have 16 destinations across the country that have embarked on our sustainability plan that will go through the GDS index. My target was 12. Wow. So 16 is massive. And this was, you talk about connecting the dots. It was reaching out, explaining to them why this is important, influencing, inspiring, motivating and then getting them to kind of sign and say, okay, we're we're doing this. And then they all had to create their green teams. They had to find people within their organizations that were going to take the training, that were going to do the work. It's not easy. But um, and there's lots of pushback along the way. But I think that work ethics that was instilled in me from early on is what keeps pushing me forward. I, I see the benefit and the long-term impact that it can have in terms of being more sustainable. And that's, that's the drive. That's what makes it happen. And how long has that journey been? The sustainability journey um, started about a year and a half ago. Wow. And you already have 16. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. When did you become so passionate about the environment? I think it's always been there somewhere. Um, I mean, being a biosystems engineer, I, it, it's part of the the studies. It's part of what we do. Um, working in Africa for so long, especially in the in the coffee industry, really shows the impact of climate change and and what we need to do. But I think that once I got um, in Canada and the industry that we're in and how we need to preserve the natural beauty and then being hit with a pandemic and pushing pause on the, on everything. That was, I think the, 
we say in French, élément déclencheur, kind of the button that was like, oh, I got to do something. Um, and it's a personal passion um, as well. I, you know, sometimes my colleagues call me the sustainability police. <laughs> they look <laughs> at me and if they happen to have, you know, um, a cup that's not their own or they they have a plastic bottle, they're kind of hiding like, oh, my God, Virginie's going to see me. Um, <laughs> I have started being like that. And I'm like, that's OK, I'll, I'll own that. And my kids get mortified where we're at the shop and, uh, you know, like, do you want a bag? And they're about to say yes. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I push out my reusable bag from my purse and push it out. And they're like, oh, my God, mom, that's so embarrassing. And I'm like, no, that's what we need to do. You know, that's lovely because you don't just talk the talk. Obviously, you walk the talk as well. I think that's how I live. Yes. <laughs> Um, what do you feel the future holds for the industry as far as sustainability is concerned? The future can only hopefully be bright. There is so much work to do, and that opens up so much opportunity, right? We're, we're such at the infancy of this whole journey that everything we can do right now can have massive impact. Mm -hmm. It's just getting it started. You know, if we were to just eliminate plastic bottles from every single show we went to, that would be huge in terms of reducing our plastics impact in the world. Um, so the, the future is bright. There is tons to do as long as we put our efforts towards it. That said, it will take that collaboration and that work and dedication. So the more people can talk about it, um, the more efforts will be done. I'm so impressed by a lot of the work that many of these national and international leading organizations are putting towards sustainability. It now needs to trickle down into lots of actions, right? There's lots of talk. How do, how do we make it happen? Um, so we do have a massive opportunity and it doesn't, sustainability doesn't have to be expensive um, or hard. It needs creativity. It needs a willingness to make small changes or incremental changes. And it means working with all the different, the right partners, sourcing local products, vendors, eliminating food waste, um, and weaving, I guess, sustainability into contracts, right? It's walking the talk, not just as individuals, but as an industry. Mm -hmm. That's what I was so impressed by, by your national program that you created, because sometimes it seems like it's a lofty ambition, but you showed how it can be done in small steps. Yes. If you don't break it down into small steps, we're going to lose people. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't just say, oh, we're going to be sustainable as a country. It's like, great. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, let's bring it down to the individual level, to organizational level. And let's first learn about it. And then let's inventory what we have. And then let's start telling the stories. Mm -hmm. So small steps. And then what does that mean? And by doing that, it's funny, I see people coming out of the woodwork and saying, hey, uh, by the way, I'm working with this client. Do you have an RFP I can use? Or do you have like sample language? Oh yeah, guess what? Such and such organization has done this here. So if there's a lot of sharing, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And that's that dot connecting that you mentioned earlier. That's what we try to do, right? Use what's out there and make it stronger for everyone. Back to that collaborative advantage.
So my biggest takeaway and what I'm most impressed with is how you connect the dots and see this as something to collaborate on, not compete on. Absolutely. It, that collaboration piece is so much fun because mm -hmm. when, you know, I'm on Singapore's website all the time. And, um, you know, I, I shared that with them one time and I thought, oh my God, I'm just, you know, admitting some terrible uh, stalking secret here. And the guy's face changed and he's like, oh my God, I'm on your website all the time. So wow. and it was kind of cool. And and now we're, uh, we speak at things together. We were just in, in Poland in November and, and we're on a panel together to speak about the initiatives that we're doing. So it, it's truly that, that collaborative international advantage because we see how it can impact our entire industry. If all destinations across the world are doing something, then international associations that also move across, they will bring what they learn in one city to the next and so forth. That's the only way that all of us will be better as an industry. And we want our industry to continue, right? We can't just say, look, it's not sustainable to move around the world. So let's just kill in-person meetings. But what happens is that solves the problem from an environmental perspective, but we're losing all the benefits from an economic sustainability and a sociocultural sustainability point of view. So it's not really one solution that is good for everything. We need to think of it holistically. Mm -hmm. And that's the magic of the events industry, the collaboration, the working together. Yes. We say, you know, in-person meetings is when the spark happens. That's when innovation happens, when you're meeting at an event by the water cooler or getting a meal or just sitting at a session and listening to a keynote speaker. And all of a sudden it's like you turn to the person on your right. Wow, did you hear that? And oh, yeah. And, and there you start talking. And who knows what happens from there? Well, this was great. Anything else? that's important for us to know that I didn't ask or that we didn't touch upon? You know, I think we touched on a lot of things, but if our industry is really to meet those net zero targets by 2050, it really takes all of us. I mean, the entire supply chain to, to work together in partnership and try to implement these solutions that can be extremely powerful. Okay. That's the last message. That's, that's the one. And for event planners who haven't checked out your site and what you're doing, that's a great place to start because I know you have this whole program in place. What what exactly is your web address? So funnily enough, um, we we don't have it on our website yet as we're relaunching our website, redesigning it. So we have little piecemeal information. So I would say connect with me first to get that those details. And then I can share... Um, once we go through the GDS index, we will actually have a national dashboard. So a dashboard that has all the different destinations across Canada and where they're at in regards to sustainability and what initiatives they're doing. So that will be so exciting to share, but that will come later this year when everybody's gone through the index. And what's the best way for people to connect with you? LinkedIn okay. or email. Okay. And I'll be sure I include that. And um, we wrap up our podcasts by asking who should we have on a future episode and what would you like us to ask that person? Hmm. 
So I have two people I'd like to give a <sighs> shout out to for next session. So one of them is Angela Nagy. She's the CEO of GreenStep and leader in environmental advancement and sustainability. So she's really helped me along my journey in terms okay. of environmental sustainability. And I would ask her how she started her journey because she has a fabulous story to tell. Great. And the other one is Matricia Bauer. Matricia Bauer is um, an indigenous leader. And I don't want to get this wrong. Um, she's a member of Sturgeon Lake Cree Nation. Okay. And she has um, a dark past that she's managed to turn around in benefit for good and for her community. And she's launched an organization, a company called Warrior Women. And she talks about cultural sustainability and how we can support our indigenous communities with uh, getting their cultures to thrive culturally and economically. So it's a wonderful, wonderful example of cultural sustainability. And her story is also one not to miss. Okay. All right. I'll be sure to reach out to them both. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for the time. 